Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Legs and hips and body Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are you guys doing? Hope you're doing well. As of now, as of time of recording, it is currently 88 degrees in New York with a real feel of 96. Okay, so if you hear the uh, air conditioning, sorry y'all. I, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. My titties are too big to be sitting in sweat. All right. Um, I wanted to just start off very quickly. thanking you guys for the mostly <laughs> outpouring of support. Like I genuinely didn't think that anybody would have anything to say um, with regard to uh, what I said about my sister. I didn't really think that far ahead. But you guys honestly were like, mostly incredibly incredibly kind um and you understood that you know after two years of my own podcast and two years of a different podcast that I was on you guys have the understanding that there have been a lot of things that I don't talk about a lot of criticisms a lot of um just like downright mean behavior Okay, that I've had to endure people making Twitter accounts to tell me how much I suck and how I should never be a podcast or this, that and the third. We're not going to get into it. So I appreciate those who understood that after all of these years, I was setting one boundary, not even for myself, but just regarding um, how we treat my family member. So thank you guys. You guys were super, super, super nice. Um, And I really, like, I don't want to understate how much I appreciate that because, again, like, oftentimes I just talk, (laughs) even when there's foresight, I don't often think about, like, oh, will people have some sort of reaction to it? But, like, you guys were overwhelmingly really, really kind. So I I do want to start off by saying and appreciating and thanking you guys for writing messages and comments and and uh ratings and reviews and all of that like please i i like a super super appreciate it and so does kelly so does kelly we talked about it um but yeah let's talk about the episode but actually before we get into the episode talk about some podcasts that i've been on right so many of you guys heard the 
recap of season four of Welcome to Plathville that I did with Corey and Carly of Surviving Sister Wives. Um, and we kicked it on over to their Patreon to talk about the social media behavior, the behind the scenes stuff with uh, the Plaths and the show. So check that out. It was like a really funny conversation. And I also was on a podcast called Best Week Ever. Uh, Vanessa and I talked about all the things that were like great and shitty and not so great with the past week in pop culture that was another fun conversation um you should be able to listen to those at some point this week so just subscribe and you'll find it it'll come upon your phone or your device when it pops up okay thank you um let's get into our show okay i'm gonna start with our girl of the week this is actually kind of a late stage i actually might have like two girls and two can i get a hell yeahs for this week but we'll talk about it um my first one's going to john mulaney okay this is like i said kind of a late stage situation but i saw several tweets come across my timeline of people who attended his uh i think columbus ohio show his comedy concert, if you will. So I've, the understanding is that that venue holds at least 10,000 people. The tweets were saying anywhere between 12 and 18,000. The point is that uh, Dave Chappelle came on stage as a surprise guest. Okay. Now we're all aware of where Dave is in his, his uh, recently, the recent headlines that Dave has been making with regard to his, uh, routine, if you will, and how transphobic it is and how he doesn't seem to understand that what he's doing is transphobic and not okay. So like I saw, like I said, I saw several tweets of, um, trans people who attended the show who said that Dave came on stage, made one transphobic joke after the other. I didn't have, um, I didn't see exactly what jokes were made, but these are like, multiple people who said that he made both transphobic and homophobic jokes and how they basically just had to sit there and watch the comic that they did not pay to see make jokes, but also have the crowd laugh at them and laugh and think that shit's funny. And apparently after Dave finished his little skit, his skit, sketch set set is the word I'm trying to use after he finishes little set he um and John hugged each other so here's my thing it's like okay even if like you guys don't know what he's been doing Dave Chappelle and um I bet you damn well John Mulaney top comedian in the world does I, I'm sure he does so a lot of people were very disappointed for very um reasonable and understandable reasons and I just think that really sucks John Mulaney and to I think it's just like another one of these guys who touts himself to be a good guy and touts himself to be like vaguely feminist or like gets it or you know maybe like he listens to Phoebe Bridgers or whatever and like we all goo goo gaga over him and then they do some shit like this and then you know we, we all have to get checked. And honestly, like, that guy. <laughs> I'm starting to get sick of John Mulaney. Like, I, I think I've seen one of his little comedy concerts, and it was funny. Now he's become quite the, the poster boy for parasocial relationships because of his divorce and the baby and the Olivia Munn of it all. I don't know. But it sounds like a lot of people were rightfully justifiably disappointed by his behavior. Hopefully by the time I, this is uh, up for recording, then um, he will have made a thoughtful apology, but I, I'm sorry to, I just like, can't, Im like, I can't imagine. I, I have been in situations where people have made like passively racist jokes and everybody laughs and you're like, Oh, this feels extremely isolating. So I can, and this is just like in a room of some dumbass high school guys that I, you know, had to hang out with. I can't imagine what that would be like with thousands of people laughing at this man, probably because they're just in awe that it's like, oh my God, we get to see Dave Chappelle. This is going to be so funny. Probably not even really taking in what he said and just like laughing anyway. And that's like almost makes it worse, you know? 
And so, like, fuck him. Um, fuck both of them. And my heart goes out to those people who had to watch or listen to that and experience that. Because it sounds, like, extremely isolating, sad, and unsafe. And, and I feel for them. My original one was going to go to Neil Patrick Harris, another guy in Hollywood that I think really gets, like, this good guy persona. But, like, I've had my eye on him for quite some time. He just, like, rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. He's just, like, one of those celebrities that I'm just like, I don't don't like what's going on here. Um, But Neil Patrick Harris in 2011 had a Halloween party in which he had a meet, like, it was compiled comprised of different types of meat um bust made of a dead amy winehouse now in 2011 this is halloween amy winehouse died three months prior right so extremely poor taste way too soon shitty and like i have a soft spot in my heart for wine amy winehouse so like this really rubs me the wrong way in a different way okay um so he this like came about somebody tweeted about it recently about how like they still think about it and it chaps their ass and so he did an exclusive uh statement to entertainment weekly i'm not sure why but whatever um he did a statement to entertainment weekly and he said um A photo recently resurfaced from a Halloween-themed party my husband and I hosted 11 years ago. It was regrettable then, and it remains regrettable now. Amy Winehouse was a -a once-in-a-generation talent, and I'm sorry for any hurt this image caused. Now, my thing is that, like, when these things happen, when tweets come up that were racist, or we find out that you wore blackface at a party, or whatever you said the n-word on facebook or whatever um there's always this thing where like they try to separate the time like because of this thing like in the statement it's like oh something resurfaced from x amount of years ago as though like there's been time and growth like the the inherent thing is that like i've grown since then like i'm a different person right without having to say it but the thing with this situation is that like it makes it worse that you did it three months after her wedding, you know, or her, after her death. Um, cause they're really, you know, like to do it now would be an extremely poor taste that he would have to apologize for, but it makes it a lot worse that she was barely in the ground before you thought it was funny and cute to make jokes about her, you know, her death, because we know why. And I did read an article that brought up a point of like, you know, this was, the point the same point that amy the documentary made with the like she was a fucking joke to the media they thought that her substance abuse was funny they treated her like she was a court jester or some side of clown and uh yeah i mean it's it's shitty it's shitty that like she can't get rest and i just don't think like to me that apology is not enough to just be like oh you know it was bad then i regret it then no it was shitty And I don't think you regretted it then. You probably had a kiki about it, you know? You probably thought it was great because you did it. Mm, Anyway. Um, Moving on to something positive. Now, this is going to sound shady, okay? But I really don't mean it to it. I mean it to be like 14% shady. 86% I'm being sincere, okay? Um, So, well, let's preface this by saying that MTV announced that they're going to be doing a new Hills spinoff okay it's going to be called hills the next generation it's supposed to be us seeing a whole new diverse group of young men and women who are coming into adulthood in the fast-paced world of los angeles and specifically the miami malibu hills um so buckle your seats up i think diversity in malibu you know seems like a whatever the term is (laughs) um like hold your horses i feel like we'll probably get like uh, one biracial person okay and like one vaguely biracial person but she'll be white she'll just kind of look biracial she'll have curly hair or something um do you guys remember when the hills new beginnings which is the first spinoff of the hills from the original cast coming back they did this whole article 
I can't remember for which magazine, but they the interviewer asked them about the lack of diversity on the cast, and Heidi said with zero hint of irony whatsoever that the cast of The Hills is diverse because they have both blonde and brunette women. And she meant it. She really meant it. Which leads me to the actual can I get a hell yeah of Heidi announcing that she is going to get a job. Okay. Clearly the MTV checks are G O N E. Okay. They're dry Sahara desert. Okay. Not coming back. Not looking good for you guys. Um, Obviously, uh, Spencer's little stint on TikTok is going to be short-lived of him um, spilling the secrets on uh, the hills and and what happened and what was lies and what was truth and whatnot. The crystals, who's to say? I saw Heidi selling crystals on TikTok the other day, and you know what? Um, (laughs) She had set up multiple cameras. (laughs) Poor thing. (laughs) She had clearly set up multiple cameras, but like... And was trying to do, like, oh, we're going to go live on different platforms, like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all at the same time to do these, like, selling her crystals. But, like, she didn't set up the cameras in the right way. So she's, like, trying to show you the necklace or whatever. But all you can see is the chain because she's showing it to the Instagram camera and not the TikTok camera, even though she's live on TikTok. So all you can see is just, like, part of a chain of a necklace or like a little piece of amethyst like you cannot see the detail at all poor bless her heart she needs to get out of that house okay I need her to get out of that house I got chills up my spine when I read um her saying that once Spencer found out that she was going to do it that he wanted to do it as well which is like so creepy to me um I need yeah I just need her to like focus on something because like for the 12 of you that did watch The Hills New Beginning, uh, her last season storyline was pretty heavily hinting at her having uh, an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and making people uncomfortable uh, with that. So um, I'm happy for her. I really, I truly am. I think, you know, I have like... I mean, this is why I have a podcast. Like, you guys aren't surprised that I have, like, these weird relationships, right? I have just always felt, as, like, a longtime Laguna Beach Hills whatever watcher. I mean, this is not, like, uh, you guys, I don't think they're, I don't think Heidi and Spencer's relationship is really that healthy. This is not, like, shocking information, right? Um, But it just seems very sad. And I just, like, in watching that new Hills spinoff, it just was, like... This is there's a darkness to it. There's a real darkness to it, and I, I feel for her. So I'm happy. She also hinted that um, there was going there was a uh, famous real estate company that was willing to take her under her wing. I can only imagine it's uh, the agency, maybe, or the Oppenheim Group. I mean, she is blonde, so there, that's one qualification we can check right off. Okay, um, but I am happy for her. I genuinely am. Also, my Can I Get a Hell Yeah goes to the one and only Robin Rihanna Fenty for having her baby. She, it's announced that she has her baby boy on May 13th. I'm so happy for her. I'm so excited. Um, I'm nervous for that person who tweeted. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw that that tweet that was like, Re- last week, Rihanna just had her baby. This was like days before the announcement. Rihanna just had her baby and it's a boy. I'm so excited. They just shut the whole hospital wing down. Like, ooh, sweetie, um, delete, delete real quick. <laughs> reverse, reverse. <laughs> Let's not get that out. And I'm like, damn, I think they're right. Um, I hope it was worth your job being correct early, but we're happy for Rihanna. We love her. You know, this is like a... Rihanna is one of our patron saints, along with Jordan Woods of this podcast. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm just super happy for her. All right, you guys, I got to update you on what is going on with Wendy. So last week, Wendy Williams, of course, another patron saint of the podcast. Should I just do like a, a oh my God, that would be so good. Like patron saints of the podcast, like some sort of merch. Oh my God. I'm going to have to, let's, let's write that down. Anyway, um, 
So Wendy, it came out that last week she has a guardianship now for her finances. So a source explains that the guardianship process is complete, which means that the court appointed financial, she has a court appointed financial guardian. Now it's up to the guardian, Wendy and the court as to how she will be accessing her money. Um, at this point, she's been going back and forth, uh, with Wells Fargo because they have, um, since March frozen her accounts. She has not had like personal access to her bank accounts and it's, she is saying that basically she hired people, lawyers, and they like, she's dropping hints that she feels like they came together to, I care a lot her basically and say to the bank, Oh, we have concerns about her uh, mental fitness and whether or not she should be in, um, uh, you know, have her own money and, and be responsible for it. So, uh, she has spoken out on several occasions saying I am of sound mind. My lawyer is using my credit cards to basically shut me out of my own bank accounts. This is not okay. I want my money. I want these people to leave me alone because they're now people that don't even work for her who are now have more access to her money than she does. So Wells Fargo since put a guardian in, uh, just for financial purposes. Um, it says that, Wells Fargo, like I said, is no longer involved in the court proceedings. The bank will be acting at the direction of Wendy's guardian and Wendy, and that the court will can eventually decide to give Wendy back full control over her accounts and, and the guardianship, but that's up to the court. Um, in the meantime, Wendy is, quote, still said to still have a voice and she still has a say when it comes to her finances, but she doesn't 100% control, have 100% control right now. That could all change soon, depending on what the court decides. This isn't like a Britney Spears conservatorship. This is a financial guardian. This is someone who will be watching over her finances, who's making sure that the decisions are happening with her accounts are in her best, are in her best interest. I cannot read today. <laughs> when Wendy asks for something to happen, the guardian is making sure it is in her own financial best interest first. However, Wendy's attorney that she hired told page six in a statement on Friday that Wendy doesn't want anybody but her to have control of her money. This is in response to that decision, right? They go on to say, please be advised that Wendy is not in agreement with the appointment of a financial guardian by the court. Wendy has been very clear that she does not want a financial guardian to tell her what she can and cannot do with her money. Her attorney's name is LaShawn Thomas. Um, he went on to add that Wendy feels like she is capable of hiring her own team who could work for her and not the court. And they also went so far as to suggest that Wells Fargo may have leaked that report of her getting the guardianship in an attempt to lessen the public outcry and regulatory scrutiny mounting around that bank. So, um, yeah, I mean, this sounds like really shitty. Something in the milk is not clean with this. We need to get to the bottom of it. But to me, if somebody is saying over and over, I can be responsible for my finances and, it just seems like, okay, if she ends up swindling her money away, why would, well, I mean, I know why Wells Fargo would care because they, they have a vested interest in it, but you know, that's why it makes me feel like something in the milk isn't clean about it, you know, because really if you make money and you fuck it all off and you fritter it all away, that's really on you. It shouldn't be up to somebody else to be like, uh, hey, Guardian, can I um, go get a massage down to the spa Envy? You know, the massage Envy? <laughs> like, that sucks. And, like, she built this empire by herself. And now on the back, I mean, basically the back end of her life to not, like, be able to do anything. That, that sucks. That really sucks. Just one. No. Sorry. I'm gonna die. You guys. Can you guys not get some again? All right, guys. Time to put on your knee-high, camo-colored, chunky boots that also double as a workout shoe. It's time to talk about the latest episode of Kardashians on Hulu. This is going to be a quick one, I think. There really... I mean, I don't want to say there really wasn't much to talk about, but there were just like chunks of storyline that really uh condense things down for me a lot uh Kendall and Scott make up from their fight from last week and again 
I just have to LOL at Chris lying once again. And this being the catalyst to part of the reason why their fight got so heightened. Because Scott asks... Okay, so when we last left off, Kendall got pissed off and was like, I didn't say that shit. Roll the tape back. You're pissing me off, Scott. I'm leaving. So we see the footage and Scott's accusing Kendall of first saying that she didn't have a party and then saying basically lying when she actually did. But she didn't. Chris is the one who said that Kendall never had a party and Kendall corrected her in real time and said, mom, no, I did have a party. So now Scott is mad because Chris just lied to his face. (laughs) And now Kendall has to defend herself because her mom just lied. (laughs) Chris is a real wild girl. So Kendall's got a battery in her back and she uh, quote unquote calls Courtney to come over to see if she could like vent about Scott. Right. So now it's Kendall, Courtney and Chloe hanging out at Courtney's house. And Kendall's basically like, you know, I've dealt with people, relationships that have been toxic and guys that shut me down and Scott just triggered me and I wasn't trying to do it again. But the larger thing, Courtney, is that like, I'm going to need you to maybe talk to him and navigate this because now all of us are having to deal with your relationship and uh it's getting awkward and Courtney's just like tap tap tapping away on her phone like yeah totally totally and you know the thing about that is and then she just keeps texting on her phone (laughs) Chloe's like wow I can't wait to find out what she's gonna say when she's done but basically like she doesn't give a fuck she says in her confessional she's in her fairy tale land she doesn't care and she is unsubscribing from this drama and oh yeah no no because why did you invite me over and let me vent if you're not going to do anything about it this is your man I mean it was your man I don't know like All of you guys have put yourself in this position, but really Courtney is the one ultimately who needs to have this conversation because he clearly needs closure. Does he deserve it? No. I mean, and there is a constant conversation of, well, he had all the time and opportunity in the world to be in a relationship with Courtney if he wanted to. So like there is that, but also you guys are doing this like, oh, we're such happy co-parents thing, but you guys aren't really that happy, nor do you seem to be co-parenting that well. So, you know, like, does everybody else have to fight with him because he's got all these unresolved feelings? Like, it's really not fair. It's not fair to anybody, really, but obviously he would benefit from some sort of conversation. So Kim has two storylines this year. There are this episode that are kind of basically intertwined with each other. One, she gets the results of her baby bar back. And two, she talks and informs us more about what she's doing with uh, social justice reform and getting people out of jail. So she starts to talk about how she had met a man named Brandon Bernard. And he had been... Um, in jail since 1999 at the age of 18 because he was convicted of murder, right? Um, He was uh, scheduled to be executed. And so Kim, you know, tried to do her best to get his his, uh, execution reversed. Um, But unfortunately, it didn't happen. You guys, it's like the scene killed me. The scene of... Kim having a last conversation with Brandon and it wasn't even like their last conversation it was his last phone call before he was executed and she's just sitting in that makeup chair crying and he's talking about how everything's gonna be okay and all of this stuff and it's just like not anything that people should have to say or endure And it was just, like, absolutely heartbreaking. Like, how do you have that conversation with somebody who knows that they're going to die? And that there's nothing they can do. Like, I just, it's still, like, I can't even wrap my head around it even now. Um, Unfortunately, he was executed in December of 2020. And Kim says that what her goal is, because I know a lot of people have been being like, okay, what is it that she's exactly going to law school for? And she says that her goal is to help shed more awareness to the process so that hopefully the death sentence can be eliminated across the board. Um, 
She's also working with a guy named Scott Budnick, who seems extremely wealthy and seems to be um, using his wealth and his uh, uh, power for uh, good. So he has a company called, or I don't know, company's not fair, like a, a organization called ARC, which is like the anti-recidivism coalition. Um, you know, keeping people from going out of jail, giving them a solid start and, you know, having them go out in the world and not be, you know, their sentence for the rest of their life. Um, so they joined forces to help free Julius Jones, who at the time of the filming was three days out from being executed. Um, Kim says that the reason why she, this case really got to hers because he was with a boy who basically threw him under the bus in order to get a lighter sentence for himself. And there's all this evidence that would support that. And she says, you know, I always think about my boys. Actually, she said my son, just the one. She's got two. She said, I think about my son. And she says that she always tells them about like, hanging out with the wrong crowd and the importance of hanging out with the right people. And that's going to keep you safe. And I just wish like, girl, I mean, for all that you're doing in this situation. And I understand that Saint is like four or something, but also she's got to know that it's more than just who you hang out with, who you surround yourself with. Like, girl, come on. Like she's, if you're going to really be in this fight, Kim, you got to come straight with all the facts and we don't need any like, uh, frankly, like white people posturing and like pussy popping around the issues. Like talk that shit. You have the platform. If this is what you want to do, then like, let's mention it all, right? Talk about all of it because that's the only way that it's going to be fixed. Like it's great that she's doing anything at all. That is great. And it's great that this is something that she seems to be committed to. But you got to tell the truth. And the truth is not uh, just an after school special. Don't hang out with the wrong people. Okay, bye. At one point, Scott asked Kim what she thinks her dad would think about all of this. And she's like, you know what? I really think he would get a kick out of it because he always told me that I definitely shouldn't be a lawyer because I'm too vain and because it's a lot of work and it causes wrinkles. <laughs> Well, as long as you know. <laughs> Imagine telling that to your kid. <laughs> you're entirely too vain. Like you're <laughs> I think this is supposed to be like a heartwarming or like funny story, but you know, just dig a little deeper and see what that really means of your father telling you that you're too vain to go into an intellectual uh medium. Anyway, maybe I'm digging too deep. But anyway, um so then Oh god chilling an absolutely chilling scene with chloe and that man that gave her true they're working out and she's like blah 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 about how that's like their love language is working out because they encourage each other their best friends whatever so she apparently he had just had a recent game in which a uh uh person <laughs> guests what do you call somebody who goes to a basketball game <laughs> What do you call it? I don't know. There was a guy who was ejected from the game, a viewer, if you will, um, for saying something about Chloe. But she asked uh, that man what it is that he said. And he starts off by saying, oh, you know, like, it was just like stuff from the past. And I'm thinking he's talking about his past. Like, the guy's trying to get to him by being like, oh, you constantly cheat on that Kardashian. No, no, no. Apparently that guy was talking about Chloe's past and her uh, propensity to be dating, to date uh, basketball players. So she says that she's only had six boyfriends. <laughs> okay. And that three of them have been basketball players. So really, what's the big idea, right? Um, then she says in an interview that Tristan is so protective of his family and that he would watch out for any one of them. And... That's like one of the things that she really likes about him. And just like the lack of the sense of irony of this man who 
continuously puts the clown makeup on your face talking about how protective he is of them and how he doesn't want to like have them be embarrassed that man is the biggest embarrassment of your whole life and mine and your and your family for the most part protective girl come on so then as they're working out um kim comes in you know it's early morning a couple of the kids are there it's chicago and psalm and the babadook is trailing behind them um just kidding it was kanye and like all black i mean you you know what he's just wearing right now he's like uh got those big puffy leather jacket dad hat uh a blue tank top underneath like 80s style Miami Beach um black jeans and these knee-high camo like looks like you'd easily go from in the water and out like duck boat boots right (laughs) and he's being so weird (laughs) because as they're having this like kind of cheesy moment where Kim's pranking that man with a little spider or a fake spider in a box the kids are running around and they're just like, ha ha, whatever. He's just standing right outside of the door of the gym, just standing there, just staring at everybody on the inside, just, just staring, not saying anything, not smiling, just creeping around the back like he does. So he says, Kim says something about how, you know, they're now trading off, taking the kids to school and it's like nice for her because she gets a break and then Kanye has his moments and she never wants to take those moments away from their kids and she wants them to remember like dad taking them to school, blah, blah, blah. So he shows Chloe a picture of his phone and it's like, oh, I'm going to pick up the school, the kids in this and take them to school tomorrow. She's like, oh my gosh, it's so great. So it's a fire truck, as it turns out. It's not a real fire truck, which, you know, I would not put it past them to like hire, <laughs> but it was like a Hollywood, like you can just rent a truck. I mean, it's LA, baby. You guys get it. Um, so here's my thing. He comes to pick some up later, and I thought it was so <laughs> awkward. And also, like, I know what I'm looking at as a child of divorce. This is like a parent trying to impress their children with these, like, grandiose gestures. We all know that this is classic Kanye with the, like, big overtures. But seeing him interact with his children is like, every time is like he just met them. (laughs) Every time. He's like, it seems like he's a little bit nervous. Like, he's, like, kind of nervously giggling. It just doesn't seem to be like he has a connection with them and it's awkward to watch like I think people agreed with me for the most part although I did have some weirdo Kanye bot being like oh oh, what about your dad you probably are asking this because your dad is uh wasn't in your life oh I'm like great yeah he's dead girl (laughs) you got me (laughs) anyway um so what happens after that uh okay so Kim then goes to Scott Budnick's office for um like a meeting, right? So she says that before they start on their mission to free somebody from jail, that they make a vision board of all these influential people that they think would be able to get the governor's attention. So Julius is in Oklahoma. Um, so they write all on this like big whiteboard, all the people that they're going to reach out to all the influential people. So I just took like a little pause and said, I looked at who was on there. It's like Blake Griffin, Steve Kerr, Dwayne Wade, uh, TD Jakes, who's like a big, uh, black, uh, pastor and Vic Mensa, common J Cole, Jake Gyllenhaal, Dr. Oz, Katy Perry. And they're like going down the list and we're seeing the juxtaposition of like who they're reaching out to and seeing the videos of people and tweets of people who responded. And at one point she's on the phone with Alan Dershowitz. Okay. Y'all know I've been saying every week that they have no idea of like what the general public thinks about these celebrities or uh, powerful people that they know. (laughs) It's like, why would we have a three episode arc with Amy Schumer? But um, Alan Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz is Chiron. His description civil rights lawyer, Alan Dershowitz. Now, if y'all don't know who Alan Dershowitz is, and I don't expect you to, 
just like look at the notable um, people that he's worked with and helped defend. And let me see if that rings as a civil rights lawyer to you. Just, just take a peek and then please, I won't spoil it for you. But if you don't know, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> um, a brief couple of scenes with Courtney and Travis. Um, one, they go to see if their follicles are okay. Cause the first one or the one that we saw from last episode, it didn't end up making it to the embryo stage. So now they're going to go in again. Right. And they find a good one and they're going to see what happens. But I just had to laugh, like, because <laughs> Courtney was wearing knee-high boots and an oversized hoodie. And y'all know those, like, little modesty, like, papery things that they give you to, like, hide your bits. Um, <laughs> I just noticed that the doctor seemed confused about her outfit and was like, because Courtney's sitting, like, sitting back in that chair, like, waiting to be examined examined and the doctor comes in she's like oh did anybody give you a like you know one of those cloths and she's like no because I really think that she thought that Courtney had taken her pants off but Courtney just wasn't wearing any pants she was just wearing that hoodie and the, <laughs> and the boots and it really made me laugh Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There was, uh, uh, dare I say it was cute. I think it was cute because it was like a good 45 seconds where we did not see them like fully engaging in some sort of mating ritual. Courtney and Travis have family dinner with his kids, her kids. They're having like vegan gnocchi or whatever. And I thought that was actually really cute until they truly start like passing a partially chewed piece of gnocchi between each other's mouths and rain. Thank you, God, was like, can you guys please stop kissing French? Please stop kissing French mom. <laughs> Please. For for all of us. Rain speaks for every single one of us. And I, you know, I've been thinking and I've been trying to, you know, be more fair to the situation. And I know that, you know, psychologists say that it's good to be, uh, you know, physically uh, loving towards your partner in front of your kids. But like, they just seem like they want to fuck all the time. And that everybody in their presence is just getting in the way of them fucking. And that's really what the difference is. Like if they were, they could be kissing all the time, but it's, it's the fuck energy around it that I think is really coming through both in real life with the people that have to experience it. And also for us, even in picture, even in still photos, there's extreme fuck energy that I'm tapped out of. Like I can take it, to a certain extent, but my cup runneth way over. It's been knocked over. The The wetness is soaking right into the carpet. Like, it's not going to come back up. It's going to get moldy, and I'm, I'm really, really over it. But let's just finish it. Fortunately, thank God, at the very last minute, they end up um, reversing the execution. But it's also really frustrating because, first of all, they did it at the very last minute. Like, imagine what must have been going through his mind. Um, secondly, what they were hoping for was that since he had been in jail for like 20 something plus years, that he would um, get the execution reversed, but also that they would give him time served. But they end up giving him life without chance of parole, which is like incredibly fucked up. And it's hard to be like, well, at least you're alive, you know, because you're just like a version of alive sitting in your jail cell for the rest of your life or something that you probably did not do. Um, uh, 
And so Kim has a conversation with uh, Julius's sister, Antoinette. And I thought that was really nice. And it seemed like they had a, a warm rapport with each other. And Kim was assuring her, you know, this is just a new fight now. And and Kim was telling us how Julius has not touched his children. He's not hugged his mother the entire time he's been in jail. Like, imagine, like, because I guess Oklahoma has, if you're on death row, there's like a no contact rule. Imagine not being able to, like, touch somebody for decades. Anybody. Any sort of, like, loving human-to-human contact for decades. Especially when you didn't do anything. My heart really breaks for this whole situation and and the the justice system is just fucked anyway truly. Um Kendall and Scott have a conversation, they make up. It's honestly really boring. Kendall's very like clearly has been to therapy and is like, you know, I apologize for my part, but you know, I could have done things differently and I feel badly about that, but also, you know, like you made me shut down and they make up whatever. Um what happens after that? Oh, the final scene we have Kim North, Tracy, her right-hand woman, and Tracy's daughter, Ryan, um, kicking it (laughs) in the parking lot of Red Lobster. So we find out North had had a basketball game, her first basketball game earlier. She ended up winning, and her one wish was to go to Red Lobster. So they go to Red Lobster, but Kim gets a text message from her assistant saying, hey, the results of your baby bar came in. So Kim's like, I can't sit here and wait, but I'm also not about to open this in a Red Lobster and be crying over some biscuits. So they all run out to the car to read it. And it's about, like, everything you could expect in terms of frustration. Like, it's taking so long to load. Her password's not working. But finally, she ends up realizing that she passed. She shows the camera that she passed. It was, like, a really cute moment. She gets into her uh, classic ugly cry. (laughs) And North gives her a little hug from the back of the car. And I thought that was really sweet. And, you know, Kim says something that I thought was like really nice, which is I'm really glad that North was here to see that I passed because she knows that I've specifically taken away time away from her and the other kids to do this. So, you know, like I just want her to see that it's worth it. Right. And that was it. Um, I feel like, oh, next week's going to be some bullshit clear with like Kylie and Chris being like, I just want to do normal things with you. And this is the shit from the Kardashians on E that I don't abide by. This like, oh, wacky stuff. Uh, let's watch Chris and Kylie go through a fucking car wash. Like no, anybody got time for that. So here's this, You know, it's anyone's guess if I'm actually going to talk about next episode, but it's not looking good for y'all. So, all right, let's move on to real world homecoming New Orleans. Yeah, so I hooked up with Jamie and it was really good. (laughs) You know, I don't know if that's to Jamie's credit, but it just opened a door to a different part of my life and myself that I wasn't tapped into at all. Honestly, I don't remember if we were hooking up on that challenge. All right, you guys, let's talk about the real world homecoming at New Orleans. I'm like so bummed that it's almost over. It's been such a fun little journey. Uh, so let's get into it. I didn't talk about it last week because I didn't have time. But what was relevant? Melissa and Julie, um, I don't want to say that they necessarily made up. It's not like they're friends per se, but they kind of things kind of came to a head because Julie just like can't she can't stop. She really can't stop. And Melissa got very frustrated, which was understandable. But I think that she felt like maybe she think she took things too far in terms of her energy um, towards Julie. So she does apologize to Julie tor- for that. Um, you know, <laughs> good on you, girl, because uh, probably wouldn't have been me. But um, Melissa's just been class all the way. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm kissing her ass. But I'm just watching what you guys are all watching. And that's just the truth. Okay. Um, so uh, her parents came, Shorty and Mercy came and that was cute. Um, it seemed to really bring the whole house together and it seemed like a very necessary thing for the time. Uh, let's get into this episode. <clears throat> so the cast begins, the episode begins with the cast having a Y2K party. They remind us they enter the house in January of 2000. I was going to say 2020. God, even that sounds like so 
long ago god um and they talk about i completely forgot about this like the y2k bug that we were all afraid of i was what 14 in 2000 i turned 14 um and yeah it just being such a thing like what if everything just stops on december 31st like what are we gonna do that was wild what a wild time and look at us now look at us now um they're dancing outside they're listening to back that ass up and you know i just love that melissa really gave homage to that song as it deserves i've been saying that shit for years that back that ass up should be the national anthem it's one of the only few things that are top of mind in terms of things that bring everybody together i honestly i can't really think of very much else um i she what did she say it was so funny i can't even imagine what it must have been like to especially be in new orleans when that song came out (sighs) what a history what a history um she says melissa says as far as the rest of the early odds if you ask her about bill clinton george bush weapons of mass destruction i don't know none of that shit you know the rest of that can go in the garbage but juvenile back that ass up i remember that And I'm with you, girl. I'm absolutely with you. The main storyline for the episode is this tension between Jamie and Julie. I don't want to call it sexual tension because I think for that it has to be mutual and it doesn't seem to be. (laughs) Um, Julie is sexual and Jamie's tense. We'll, We'll say that. So Julie and Jamie are outside jumping rope and looking longingly into each other's eyes and Jamie says or Julie says that there's a depth to Jamie that not a lot of people get to see and throughout these 20 years even though they haven't spoken or kept in contact that he's been like a part of her like there's been her family her friends her husband and then Jamie just out there that's heavy that's deep girl for like 20 years Wow. I mean, it's like a Nicholas Sparks book. Like, I didn't know that happened in real life, that somebody would just, like, carry a piece of you throughout their whole life, even if they never spoke. Because out of sight, out of mind, you know? When I'm done, I'm done, okay? I was going to get really vulgar, and I chose not to, okay? I'm I'm a good Christian woman today, for the next 10 minutes at least. Um, So, yeah, um interesting it gets it gets very interesting so throughout the series they get these sort of like conversational prompts uh via their tv's incoming messages so they'll see a clip of something that happened back in the day and this one is all about jamie about how jamie was the resident hot guy of uh rural new orleans and all the girls had a crush on him and he just didn't really do anything with it. He says that he was just kind of focused. He wasn't really thinking about, um, you know, what he wasn't trying to smash any of them. He says, I was attracted to all of them, but I just like had blinders on. It just wasn't what I was in there for. Then we get the women's reaction to like how they felt about it at the time. Melissa says basically she knew what the score was. Like, yeah, he was cute, but she knew that he was the cute guy that all the girls were supposed to have a crush on. So she had her fun with it, whatever, but they were never going to hook up. It wasn't that deep. Uh, Kelly says that she thought that they would kind of be on the same page with each other, which makes sense. Like they're both just like the cute, two white kids that they cast to hopefully make out and cry at some point. Right. Um, but then she ended up finding Peter who I totally forgot about. And she was like, you know what? Y'all have fun girls, right? That leaves Julie. And we find out that Julie and Jamie hooked up or they kissed in the house one time. They also went on after the show to do challenges together. And according to Julie, it was just like, you know, inevitable right um the adrenaline was high they're both junkies they were having fun they were having to do these missions or tasks or whatever that were like uh some sort of like kinky you know just like all basically like everything was just like turned up to 11 so it was they they were going to hook up it was like gonna happen and it did 
In a confessional, Julie reveals that hooking up with Jamie was like a real awakening for her and that Jamie was the first guy that she had any, she never did anything more than kiss with. Jamie is basically like, uh, I don't remember hooking up with you on the challenges. Mm, not <laughs> nothing. Julie's like, yeah, I mean, you probably don't remember it because it meant a lot more to me than it did to you. Like, it was probably a bigger deal for you, like, coming as the sheltered Mormon virgin girl. Um, But she (laughs) then says that there were, like, she's making their relationship seem very, like, complicated and simple at the same time. Like, they didn't have any attachments to each other. Um... She couldn't really understand their relationship, but she didn't also want to make things more complicated with them. So it was just like this manic pixie relationship under a some sort of bungee cord that you did for a challenge earlier. I don't know. So as Julie's going on and on about how big a deal this was for her, Kelly clocks the fact that Jamie's basically just sitting there not saying a damn thing. Be- She's like, I kind of hope that they had some sort of conversation about talking about hooking up on TV beforehand because there are high stakes involved. There are families involved. And I just hope that conversation was had. Eh. She seems very worried. And I saw the preview for next week that she seemed really worried about uh, conversations. I don't know. I'm not really a person who like 20 years ago, you hooked up with some guy when you were like 21 on a show. Like, what does that do for our marriage? You know, nothing. Like, it shouldn't do anything, right? I don't really understand that, but I'm also not married. So maybe it, maybe I just don't get it. As a single woman, I just don't get it. So then Julie says that she just really need a friend, needed a friend with benefits or a fuck buddy at the time. But Jamie's like, um, I would like to let the record reflect that there was no F buddy happening here. Okay. So on the, other, the one hand, she's completely not picking up on how uncomfortable Jamie is with her talking about this. But on the other hand, <clears throat> she is kind of making points about how her religious background and the culture that she grew up in was very repressive towards women and their sexuality and having a relationship to their sexuality and how helpful whatever it is she did with Jamie was for getting her out of that. Right. Um, so after that group conversation, Jamie and Julie have a one-on-one conversation outside. She continues to go on about how Jamie gave her her first orgasm and that led to her discovering masturbation. And then finally, she's like, I hope this isn't making you uncomfortable. And he's like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like in that high Mickey Mouse voice, when you know that somebody's lying, but they like, don't want to get into it. Like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Jamie says in an interview that he had no idea that that moment, that singular moment, in his words, meant that much to Julie. But it was evident to him all those years ago that Julie was running kind of hot because she had so much repression wrapped up in her, like, Mormonism. And that he was just, like, a guy who was there to help her out. And he says, honestly, like, it was basically what he's saying is, I... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I know that I, like, treated her well, even though I wasn't emotionally invested in it. And, like, for somebody who needed to have that sexual awakening, I was probably the best case scenario for her um, because there weren't really attachments, but like I was still respectful. Um, 
And he's like, I don't really want to be flippant about this because obviously it meant a lot to her. But, you know, (laughs) I'm wondering if this was like one moment or several. (laughs) I would, it would be one thing if, (sighs) I mean, it sounds like he took her virginity. That's what she's trying to make it sound like to me, right? And that's, like, if he doesn't have any memory of that, (laughs) that's pretty sad. Because it's not just like some chick that he had a one night stand in. Like they knew each other, right? So that would be that would be pretty sad. But I also feel like he was trying to be nice to Julie and like let her say what she said, but also kind of be like, yeah, it really like it wasn't emotionally deep for me, but also like we didn't hook up that much. Then we see clips of what Matt's life is like back in Arizona, and he's got six kids. We find out that they unfortunately lost one of their children, and he's still a devout Catholic, and just being a dad in Arizona, whatever that means. Um, We also saw a little bit of Jamie's life. I think he lives in Chicago, and you know, it sounds like his life maybe didn't go the way he thought it was going to when he entered the house, but like whose life does go the way, exactly the way you think it is when you were 21. Right. So he said that he was thinking he was going to make it big in the dot com boom. That didn't really happen. He ends up being a truck driver. His life happens a little bit later. I guess he ends up having kids when he's like 30 or 40 or something like that. Um, he's got twins and a wife that he met on Tinder. And yeah, he seems perfectly happy. Like he also has a close relationship with his kids and he decided to lose weight so he could be healthier for them. And yeah. Um, then we see Melissa back at the house. She invites a tarot card reader because they did that back on the original show. Matt didn't want to do it then. He still doesn't want to do it now. And I was wondering if this was a producer-driven conversation because he seems very evasive about wanting to talk about his relationship to religion, like, on a deep level on the show. But he and Melissa have this conversation where he's basically like, this is, I'm not going to do this. And then he also was basically saying that he has been stressed out the entire time he's been in the house. He keeps being challenged by his faith and he's been praying more now than he ever has before and kind of suggests that he's getting a little aggravated by the whole situation. Melissa's like, hey, I may not agree with your convictions and the the moral standpoints of your religion, Um, but I respect your conviction and your faith and okay. You know, what more can you say really? Um, then it gets to a game, the tarot card, like everybody has a good time, whatever. Then they play a game in which they have to guess who said that. So after the show, they did a book, like very quickly after filming, they all sat down for interviews for this like real world book and they didn't hold back. So we were supposed to guess who said the quote from the book. Wouldn't you guess the two meanest quotes both came from Matt. (laughs) One about Melissa and how bad her eyebrows were. And the other... Something about how Danny was like really negative and how he tries to be positive and Danny just shuts him down or whatever. And Danny brings up a pretty scathing comment that Matt said uh, back in the day, which is that basically Matt should hide his sexuality for the rest of his life. Like if you can't help being gay, just like don't be gay out loud, right? Keep it to yourself. And how fucked up that was. We don't see any sort of response from Matt, but what we do see is a conversation that he has in an interview, excuse me, where they ask him, you know, LGBT issues were a big topic of conversation in the house back then. You had your very conservative stance on it. You didn't believe in it. Have your views changed now? And he says, I'm not a judge. We're just here to love each other. Then the producer says, okay, but do you still have the same perspective? And Matt says, I think we're done with this topic. 
I answered the question. And that's like, well, now we said it, right? Like, we all knew, and this sort of religion, religious person really irks me because it's just that like nicey nice I'm gonna smile in your face and talk about how I love everybody but it what you're really saying is like I'm not going to judge you because God is (laughs) you know (laughs) like he knows you're bad so I don't have to do it because I trust that he's going to judge you at the end of the day that's not really nice is it that's not really a change in one's perspective. And the fact that he doesn't want to talk about it really tells you all you need to know. Um, I think that's weird. I also think it's like, what did you expect coming into this house, bro? You had some very strong stances that are very much a part of current events and conversations today. You have a cast member (laughs) who ended up being an advocate did you honestly think that, like, they were, you? what were you guys, like, you were just going to be able to take naps all day? <laughs> like, Julie might be t- making a point on that. And I'm very pro-nap, usually. But the fact that, like, you didn't think that you were going to be challenged at all about that is just, like, ugh, gross to me. But that's it, you guys. That's it. Um, I was holding off on talking about Mr. and Mrs. Horney getting married. As of now, there have been some pictures. Um, It appears that Courtney is wearing a mini dress with a very long veil with a skull on it, sewn into it. And um, I'm just seeing a lot of roses. I also saw an article from The Sun that said that Beyonce came to Portofino to the wedding. That seems like, why? Through who? Through who? <laughs> like, it doesn't even make sense that she and Travis would be that great of friends. Like, I, I, that can't possibly be true. But um, also, would just like to let the record reflect that Kimye's wedding anniversary, this is um, May 22nd, that their wedding anniversary is May 24th, which is very funny to me. Um, I don't understand the mini dress look, to be honest. It doesn't make sense. We definitely have to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, the Dolce and Gabbana of it all outfitting the whole family for this four day Italian wedding situation. Um, Do they think that we don't know the reputation of Dolce and Gabbana and how like weird and homophobic, despite being gay themselves, they are Um, how they don't. Well, they had like huge backlash years ago for um, having like a pretty strong anti IVF stance and how, you know, children should just be born the natural way and we shouldn't test God or whatever. Um, him? <laughs> no feelings about that? Or Courtney, who's also going through IVF right now? Um, they also fully called them like the trashiest family in the world, like not even a couple years ago. So (laughs) I don't really know what happened, why they would want to work with them. Um, That's really weird to me. And they're like a flop fashion house, in my opinion. Like, I don't know why people, they're like the Chris Brown of fashion houses. Like, I don't understand why people, um, uh, openly support them he called them cheap the cheap they called them cheap the cheapest family (laughs) the cheapest family he's ever seen and now and now y'all y'all's label are all over them okay okay weird the whole thing is weird thank you guys for listening thank me for speaking love you